Welcome, Weirdos. I'm your host, Jessica Fernando, and this is One Weird Chick. Choose a playing space of your liking. A blacked-out bathroom will do. Face the mirror and make eye contact with yourself. Be brave. Be fearless. Take a deep breath. And when you're ready, begin repeating the name Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Say it out loud, beginning softly, but adding volume with each repetition. Repeat it three times, ensuring you speak the third repetition with finality. Then stop. Look in the mirror. What do you see? The roots of the infamous Bloody Mary legend can be traced back to ancient times. Similar legends of apparitions appearing in mirrors or reflective surfaces can be found in different cultures, such as ancient Greece, Rome, and China. These legends often carry a cautionary tale or supernatural element. During the Middle Ages, Europe experienced a surge in witchcraft and superstition. Stories of malevolent spirits and supernatural beings became prevalent. It was during this period that the figure of Bloody Mary first gained prominence. The legend of Bloody Mary has intrigued and terrified individuals for generations. But who is Bloody Mary? And how did her terrifying legacy come to be? There is some debate on the identification of Bloody Mary, and if she is in fact based on a real woman. Several historical figures have been put forward as candidates for Mary, including Mary Worth. Worth was identified as either a woman who killed slaves escaping the American South via the Underground Railroad, or a woman who was burned at the stake during the witch trials in the early modern period. According to Bob Jensen, a paranormal investigator and leader of the Lake County Ghostland Society, Mary Worth exploited deceptive means to bring slaves northward, only to send them back south for profit. Rumors circulated among the townspeople, suggesting that Mary was not only involved in human trafficking, but also practiced the dark arts, which involved torture and ritualistic killings of slaves. Initially overlooked, the community eventually reached a breaking point, leading to Mary's lynching and burial on her own property. During the construction of a nearby subdivision a century later, workers discovered a stone suspected to be Mary Worth's grave marker. Its removal triggered strange occurrences, such as dishes flying off shelves in the associated houses. The house burned down twice, adding an eerie dimension to the legend. However, 
The more likely identity behind the Bloody Mary legend is that of Queen Mary I of England. During her five-year reign, Mary sought to restore Catholicism as the dominant religion in England, reversing the religious reforms enacted by her father and subsequent Protestant monarchs. She was relentless in her quest, burning many Protestants at the stake. She arranged executions by fire while forcing many people to watch. The unwilling spectators would then suffer the same fate afterwards. Mary threw all of England into terror and chaos and showed no mercy. Some question if Mary was indeed a villain, or rather, a victim of unfortunate circumstances. Born in 1516, Mary was the only surviving child of King Henry VIII and Queen Catherine of Aragon. As a woman, Mary's arrival meant that Henry VIII's name would not pass onto the next generation as he had expected. Instead, as a woman, she would take the name of her future husband, ensuring that Henry VIII's legacy died with her. For that, her father resented her. Henry VIII's obsession with wanting to continue his lineage through that of a male heir famously saw him marry six times during his reign. At the age of 11, just one year under the legal age for marriage at the time, Mary's hand in marriage was promised by her father to sons of various rulers for the sake of political gain. However, all of the arranged marriages fell through for one reason or another. At the same time, Henry's continued desire for a son meant that his eye had wandered from Mary's mother, Catherine, to one of her ladies-in-waiting, Anne Boleyn. This was more than likely a defining event for Mary, due to the numerous repercussions that were soon to follow. When Henry's petition for divorce from Catherine was denied by the Roman Catholic Church, he famously split from the Pope's rule and formed the Church of England. Under this new religious order, he was able to annul his marriage to Catherine and marry Anne Boleyn. When Anne gave birth to their first daughter, Elizabeth, Henry had Mary declared illegitimate, meaning she no longer had any right to the throne. Now deemed unlawful, Mary was separated from her mother and forbidden to visit her again. She was just 17 years old. As a child, Mary presented many signs of underlying mental and physical health conditions. It was even documented by the Venetian ambassador that Mary suffered, quote, a very deep melancholy, much greater than that to which she is constitutionally liable, from monstrous retention and suffocation of the matrix to which, for many years, she has often been subject, so that the remedy of tears and weeping 
to which from childhood she has been accustomed, and still often used by her, is not sufficient. She requires to be blooded either from the foot or elsewhere, which keeps her always pale and emaciated. End quote. Modern science has now been able to explain that Mary more than likely suffered from depression, in addition to a condition known at the time as dysmenorrhea. The condition, referred to these days as endometriosis, resulted in agonizing pain and cramping in Mary's uterus. Her debilitating pain, accompanied by irregular hormone fluctuations, also caused her severe depression. With her mother ostracized, and having been declared illegitimate by her father, Mary was downgraded from princess to servant. She was forced to serve Elizabeth, and watched as her half-sister took her place as next in line to the throne. Mary refused to acknowledge the annulment of her mother's marriage and recognize Anne as queen. She also refused to relinquish her own position as a princess, which angered Henry. When her mother Catherine died in 1536, Mary fell into such a bad state of depression that she was inconsolable. She no longer wanted to live in England under her father's rule and wanted to relocate to her mother's home country of Spain. But just as Mary was considering her options, her father announced Anne Boleyn's execution. After just three years, Henry VIII had grown tired of Anne Boleyn's inability to produce a male heir and ordered her death. According to the official website for BBC History magazine, History Extra, quote, Queen Anne had been charged with having sexual relationships with five courtiers, including her brother, George Boleyn, a.k.a. Lord Rockford, and the king's good friend and groom of the stool, Sir Henry Norris. According to the indictments, not only had she slept with these men, but she had also conspired with them to kill her husband, the king. End quote. She was beheaded at the Tower of London, leaving behind her daughter, Elizabeth, who would rival Mary for the crown in adulthood. Mary was overjoyed by Anne's death. She blamed Anne for ruining her life and destroying her parents' marriage. With Anne now out of the way, Mary had a newfound hope for her future. She wrote to her father, asking to be welcomed back to court. But unfortunately, the king declined. Despite Anne's death, Henry still maintained that Mary was illegitimate. However, her father manipulated her into signing a document agreeing to the illegitimacy and threatened death if she refused it. As a reward for signing the document, her father welcomed Mary back to court and she was reinstated back into the line of succession. 
With Mary seemingly back in her father's good graces, she fought with the guilt she felt for betraying the memory of her mother, all in an attempt to save herself. Over the next ten years, Mary would watch as her father married over and over again. During this time, however, Mary herself remained unwed. Henry's third marriage to Jane Seymour would finally give him the son he had desperately wanted. Upon his birth, Edward VI became the first in line to the throne, with Mary resuming her position as second in line and Elizabeth third. In 1547, at the age of 55, Henry passed away, likely from a combination of inflammation, chronic biogenic suppuration, edema, and chronic osteomyelitis. Nine-year-old Edward took his place as king. When Edward died six years later at the age of 15, he left the crown to his Protestant cousin, Lady Jane Grey, excluding Mary and Elizabeth from the succession. Lady Jane Grey was queen for just nine days before Mary chose to fight for what was rightfully hers. She rallied support from nobles across the country and marched on London. Mary and Elizabeth rode into England's capital side by side, one as the queen and the other as a queen-in-waiting. At the age of 37, Mary's reign as queen finally began. Mary was greeted with a triumphant procession where it is said that the townspeople were elated to see the beloved princess, the daughter of King Henry and Queen Catherine, finally take her rightful place on the throne. Little did they know what Mary had planned. Mary's commitment to her faith and her contempt for her father's Protestant law had manifested itself internally over the years. Fueled by resentment and a passionate religious obsession, things were about to take a very dark turn for the people of England under Mary's rule. Determined to restore the Catholic faith, Mary implemented a series of harsh measurements against Protestants, aiming to bring back the Catholic Church's authority. Mary's religious policies resulted in numerous executions. The most notable persecutions was the Marian persecutions, in which hundreds of Protestants were burned at the stake for heresy. The term Bloody Mary became associated with Queen Mary as a result of these religious persecutions and the violent methods used to suppress Protestantism. However, it is important to note that the term was primarily a derogatory nickname coined by her Protestant opponents and was not widely used during her lifetime. In an attempt to further connect England with Catholicism, Mary wed 
Prince Philip of Spain. Despite being the queen, Mary was widely considered as unattractive by many. Quote, the queen is not pretty, not at all, is low, fragile structures instead of fat, with very white hair and blonde, has no eyebrows, is holy, she dresses very badly. End quote. Ten years her junior, Philip reluctantly fulfilled his duties as a husband. Almost immediately, rumors of his unfaithfulness began to spread. Despite the gossip, Mary announced that she was pregnant shortly after their wedding. In customary fashion, Mary went into a private chamber where she was confined for six weeks before her expected due date of May 9th. Although the big day arrived, the baby didn't. Both she and the servants around her proposed that perhaps a miscalculation of delivery dates was to blame, and now settled on a new date, one in June, just a month later. False reports almost immediately spread across the country. Some claimed their queen had delivered a boy, and others stated she had simply died in childbirth. Many thought her swollen midsection was symptomatic of a tumor rather than a pregnancy. June and July came and went as her doctors extended the birth date even further. In a time without pregnancy tests and in which doctors could not examine a sitting monarch, only time would tell if Mary was actually pregnant. Until then, the people of England kept a watchful eye. By August, Mary finally left the confines of her chamber, childless and alone like never before. In a time where conditions of the mind were not nearly as well documented as they are today, Mary had no idea that she was likely suffering from a rare condition known as pseudosiasis. Pseudosiasis is a psychological condition that can occur when a woman is so determined to become pregnant that the mind tricks the body into producing pregnancy symptoms. Quote, With pseudosiasis, psychological manifestations of pregnancy occur, including irregular menstruation, abdominal dysentation, the subject's sensing of fetal movements, changes in breast size or shape, milk secretion, darkening of the areola tissue, weight gain, nausea and vomiting, and changes in the uterus and cervix, end quote. Unaware of her psychological condition, Mary believed that God was punishing her for her father's wrongdoings. A few years later, Mary announced herself pregnant for the second time. Rumors of a fake pregnancy spread once again, and even her husband remained unconvinced. Assured by the telltale signs of pregnancy, Mary was later confirmed to have sadly entered menopause. In 1558, Mary died 
most likely from ovarian cancer, derived from her untreated endometriosis. Upon her passing, her husband Philip wrote that he only felt, quote, moderate grief for her, end quote. Mary's hopes to restore Catholicism in England failed, and her half-sister Elizabeth took the throne. Mary requested to be buried next to her mother upon her passing, a request that was denied. Instead, she would be buried by her half-sister's side, with Elizabeth's grave completely overshadowing her own. Mary is commemorated only by a slab of black marble with the infamous name Bloody Mary. Mary had a tremendously difficult life, fraught with grief, pain, and misery. According to the infographics show, quote, even in death, she pales in comparison to her sister, and her jealousy may very well extend into the afterlife. End quote. While Mary's story of suffering has slowly been lost to time, today her name can still be heard, chanted by prepubescent teens in dark bathroom mirrors all over the world. Bloody Mary, as the people of England referred to Mary, has become a game of mockery played for entertainment. Quote, a child, almost always a girl, goes into a bathroom at night or at school in the dark and repeats the name Mary in some form, which supposedly results in a frightening creature named Mary emerging out of the bathroom mirror. End quote. Another iteration promises that, quote, a ghost is then said to appear, sometimes holding a dead baby, end quote. Regardless of how one plays, the result is supposedly the same. Repeating her name into a mirror in a darkened room allegedly wakens Mary from her eternal slumber. She appears in all her terrifying glory, ready to scare the summoner. The myth of Bloody Mary has become popularized in modern culture, spawning a multi-million dollar industry of movies, apparel, and cult-like followings. But the point remains, while younger generations attempt to conjure her spirit for fun, they have no concept or understanding of the real story of suffering behind the legend. Today, reports of Bloody Mary sightings have been reported from all over the world. In the article, The Urban Legend of Bloody Mary, writer Brittany Solis details the story of a young girl who experienced Mary for herself. Quote, I was 10 years old, and my friend and I were having a sleepover. After gossiping about every boy in school, we got bored, and we started talking about our favorite horror movies. When that got us thoroughly freaked, we tried to come up with things we could do that would freak us out some more. I would pretend I could hear somebody knocking on the door of my patio. My whole backyard was a forest, so this was particularly creepy. 
My friend kept on pretending she heard someone coming down the stairs. My bedroom was on the bottom floor of the house, so being in the basement, pretending somebody was coming down the stairs was really scary, even if it sounds silly. Then I remembered Bloody Mary, and we both squealed appropriately and I got the candles. We went into the bathroom and lit the candles. I decided to be brave and I spun in a circle a little more than three times, but we were giggling at this point, so the dizzier the better. We both went to the mirror and I said, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. I couldn't focus. I was so dizzy. So I asked my friend if she saw anything. She said no. And then, in the reflection of the mirror, we both saw the window that faced my backyard. And there, staring at us from outside, was a girl with her hands plastered on the window. Her mouth was open like she was screaming. We screamed and ran as fast as we could up the stairs to my parents' room. We wanted my dad to go and check it out. When we went down there, there was no girl. No nothing. We didn't sleep a wink that night. And to be honest, I didn't sleep for a week after that. End quote. Solis continues to document her own second-hand experiences with Bloody Mary in her article. Quote, A friend of mine lost her cousin to this game, whether coincidental or real. She died a few days later after summoning Bloody Mary. They were both 13 at the time, and very close. The two of them were sleeping over at my friend's house, Tisha, when her cousin, Jessica, suddenly blurted out that they should play Bloody Mary. Tisha, being afraid of summoning the spirit, after hearing many horror stories about what she does to you if you see her, decided that she did not want to partake in the seance. Still wanting to do it, Jessica goes into the bathroom alone and calls Bloody Mary. After standing in the dark for a few minutes, Jessica came out and told us that she didn't see anything, sounding a little disappointed. Everything seemed normal for the rest of the night. About three days later, Jessica was found dead in her bed. She went to bed and never woke up again. Tisha, shocked at what had happened, was too scared to tell her parents because she felt guilty for letting her cousin go in and to summon Bloody Mary by herself. She finally told them, and they said that Bloody Mary is just a myth. It's not real. They also said she shouldn't feel guilty about what had happened and that her cousin died because it was her time to go. Tisha was still unsure of what to believe, but she does know one thing, that she'll never play the game of Bloody Mary. End quote. In essence, Bloody Mary, quote, is a story of how a heroic underdog became a monarch who was then mythologized as a violent despot. Despite being no bloodier than her father, Henry VIII, or other English monarchs, it's a tale of sexism, shifting national identity, and good old-fashioned propaganda, all of which 
coalesced to create the image of an unchecked tyrant that endures today. End quote. Thank you for joining me for another episode of One Weird Chick. I'm your host, Jessica Fernando. And until next time, stay spooky. Today's episode of One Weird Chick was proofread and edited by Tony Sagona. One Weird Chick's opening theme is created by Brielle Johnson and logo is by Lauren Adams. Follow One Weird Chick on Patreon, Instagram, and Facebook for more.